0: All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland, and our guest tonight is Toby Johnston, and we're going to be talking about uh, the Owl, the Owl Moon Lab. And normally, Toby, Toby Johnston, normally, um, you know, I get into the person and the history and so on as, as the first step, but but really, I I think the Owl and she says, I was reading about this book. It's more than just a book, isn't that right?
1: Well, I hope so. Yeah. Um, you could use it as a paperweight. You could set a beer on it. Right, there's but all there's sorts a lot of uh, interactive,
0: <laughs> technologically interactive aspects I to know.
1: It. Yeah, I kid because it's the first book I put out. So I'm new to the authorship world <laughs> and uh, maybe people will use it for that. But inside the book is uh, a few surprises embedded are QR codes that are attached to the chapter. So as you read along in the story, the true account of, I guess, my story um, and the Al Moon Lab and the Adams family, which is who the book is largely written about as its property. And and so as you read along, you get a hold of uh, a QR code that's attached to the chapter. And as you're reading it, you can go transport yourself right to that chapter, because we filmed everything, all the audio, all the video, all the paperwork, all the guests that arrived, the witnesses, um, the documentary that uh, is coming out about it. It's all embedded in these QR codes. So... Not my idea that's uh through a guy much smarter than me named um doug highcheck of uh monster quest fame so without doug i wouldn't have had that
0: yeah well when i read it uh it was one of those moments because i'm a guy that likes to create stuff and i do some marketing and stuff like that and when i read it i'm just all Duh, what a great idea why didn't i think of this you know so i thought it was yeah. a really clever idea really good idea now the title of the book. Let's let's break that down because I'm not really sure what it's the
1: title is. tongue teaser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why the owl so or... the Owl Moon Lab. Yeah. Yeah. The name of the book is The Owl Moon Lab, A Paranormal Experiment. And we vacillated a little bit on the title, but the title wrote itself about 2018, when Underneath the Full Moon in the Little Town of Cottage Grove, Oregon, on Good Friday, uh, I believe it was uh, March 30th, 2018... Um, the, uh, the moon was also called the owl moon, which I think under pagan traditions, you would find that the owl moon or the dog moon or these different full moons have names after animals. So underneath the owl moon, uh, we found what appeared to be giant knee impressions in the mud above this property. And we cast these knee impressions, took the hair from, uh, the knee impressions and sent them up for analysis. And once we cast these, now we know they are knee impressions of something plus or minus 1,400 pounds with anomalous hair that um, doesn't come from anywhere on the charts that we know of. Um, and that was via a gal up in Canada named Cindy Dosen who works for the Olympic project that we found that out. Once we brought this casting back of these giant knee impressions and we're fast-forwarding through you know, a lot of history right now to get to where we are to talk about the title, But um, that's where the name came from, the Owl Moon. The lab portion is kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing because in the process of having legitimate supernatural Sasquatch encounters, UFOs, um, EVPs, amazing EVPs, um, I'm also in the process of building a Sasquatch replica. So as a joke, the homeowners who were gracious enough to lend me their garage to build this giant eight and a half foot tall Sasquatch for Ron Moorhead. (laughs) Um, He said, Oh, it's like, you know, Frankenstein's laboratory now in my house. And so because of that, um, all these things started to pile up. So the Al Moon lab, um, although we did do experiments in this house uh, on the property, they were rudimentary at best compared to what I would do now. And uh, so that's, that's where it got its name. So, you,
2: so okay, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. Well, you mentioned right there uh, a couple of different phenomena. You mentioned Bigfoot, you mentioned EVPs, you mentioned mm-hmm. UFO sightings. And uh, yeah. those are things that are often put together, but often you find, you know, UFO people who are like, you know, don't talk to me about EVPs, or you mm-hmm. find Bigfoot people who are like, it's just a big ape, right? But right. it it seems but we're sort of putting them together in into mm. more of a, like, sort of a synthesized thing. Um, are are these related phenomena or are they separate? Uh,
1: you know, it's an ecosystem of weirdness, and you can't push one phenomena out from the ecosystem if it doesn't fit your worldview or your narrative. I mean, if you go back right. to John Keel, you would look into the Mothman prophecies and say, oh, We just have this apparition that seems to, you know, be a harbinger of doom or death. And that's the end of the story. But that's not where John Keel left off at the end of it. I mean, I remember seeing Mm -hmm. pictures of him and video of him showing Sasquatch impressions on Johnny Carson or David Letterman. So it, it takes you in these weird directions, whether or not you want to go on them. What we argue, and it's not really an argument, it's just the way that this phenomena goes, is when the phenomena comes to you and comes to your property... More often than not, these people who are open about it and let you come live at their house like I did and write a book about it, uh, they get the stranger phenomenon. Now, why would that be? Why is that? I'm not quite sure. It can, be, um, it can be hostile at times. It can be friendly at times. It can be scary at times. But one thing that it isn't is predictable. The only thing predictable about it is it's not predictable. And so when I say we have these crystal clear EVPs, we weren't looking for them. We're trying to record Bigfoot audio, Bigfoot (laughs) vocalizations. Like if we could get, you know, anywhere near what Ron captured as far as samurai chatter, we would have been thrilled, but it just refused to stop there. And so the more that we were kind of honest with what we were trying to do, um, Mm -hmm. And we were a little confused about what we were trying to do. Were we actually trying to understand the phenomena on its terms or were we thrill seekers? And, uh, we had to be honest with the phenomena. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but you know, like I said, we're fast forwarding through 15 years of me chasing after the phenomena previous to this. And I had been told that if you want to get close to it, you have to get close to extended experiencers. These are people that have backyard Bigfoot issues. And once you do, be prepared, because the wheels probably will fall off as far as your expectation of this being a giant relic hominid. And I was game for it. I mean, I had waited Mm -hmm. so long, I mean, 15 years to get into a house like this. And um, so we engaged it. And I spent the better part of almost a year straight living and breathing uh, writing this book. Although I didn't really think it was going to be a book, I thought people would appreciate the story. And I just wanted to have a sighting. Like that was my right. whole goal. Is like, can I, can I please see one already? You know, I chased down this damn dirty ape for the last fifteen years. Please, <laughs> just give me a sighting. Right. And it's so, kind of, a,
2: kind of a funny problem to have. Is like, yeah. I just want to see a big butt, but I <laughs> right. keep running I into scared, these. <laughs>
0: I don't care. Something is getting Right. Just get, right. Into these
2: darn ghosts and you know, <laughs> yeah, right. UFO. It was like
1: yeah and i was all too happy to engage those (laughs) phenomena too because you know as a young man when you walk into the library at school where's bigfoot it's lined up with esp telekinesis ufos all of it right i mean and so i that was already embedded well it turns out that it is on the proper section of the library shelf that bigfoot actually does belong in that category and um, i don't waver from that position at all after everything that has happened and continues to happen because this phenomenon has a half-life. Um, it follows you. Uh, you look at the, the work of, um, you know, Skinwalker Ranch. They talk a lot about the, the hitchhiker phenomenon where things follow you back home and it will tip its hat big time to you and say, oh yeah, we know where you live. Um, we know you recognize this object because we left that right there in your coffee table and here it is again. So these kind of things you can't say no to. Um, There's no room for uh, there being hijinks or there being a hoax, uh, not with all the audio and video and eyewitness testimony.
0: You know, uh, earlier, for one, we've been trying to come up with a new catchphrase for our radio show, and ecosystem of weirdness was worth, right? Good, good. But um, that's a good one. You know, being a thrill seeker, you know, it, when he said that, it it triggered something in me that I think at the beginning of understanding of any topic, that there has to be some level of thrill, secretness. I watched a movie about a guy uh, building the first deep water dive suit with the hose, and I'm that guy had to have been some level of th- thrill seeker slash scientist, or Jacques Cousteau building his his big crazy super boat. You know, there had to have been a thrill seeker aspect there of somebody willing to go out there and chase down God knows what. So I think you're allowed to be both. I think you're allowed to be both. But um, yeah. h- how'd you get connected with these people? Did Were you chasing leads down or did they come to you? Was it uh,
1: was it you divine know, I, how they just kind of showed up
0: <laughs> to you when you needed them most? Or?
1: No, it's a small community, really, of Bigfooters. And once you kind of get involved with going to the, a conference or a camp out, uh, word gets around and in this case, uh, Daryl, Daryl Adams, who is a recent retired contractor, had moved up from California to Oregon and attended something called Beachfoot, had a conversation with Ron Moorhead and said, Hey, I know Tobe. He you know lives right outside of where you're moving. Maybe you can go talk to him and he can take you out in the field sometime. Mm-hmm. And um I'd kinda, you know, taken my foot off the gas for a while and hadn't really looked into the phenomena for about a two years or so. But when Daryl got a hold of me, um, it just was the perfect time. And uh, so I ended up going in the woods with him and finding these uh, knee impressions, which really, then without finding those knee impressions, I don't know where the story would have been. Maybe everything still would have happened in the order it did. Maybe it was destined to be talked about. It seemed, and that's the way some of these stories go, is that they seem like they are waiting for certain people to arrive at a certain time is almost like the tumblers in a lock and everything has to line up. Yeah. And especially if you're in a liminal state, um, you know, that seems to be key. If you're in a middle of a big transition and, um, you know, what are we in right now globally? <laughs> so who knows what's about to happen? I mean, we have all the UFO stuff unfolding, which I don't think is by accident here. We are in the middle of this huge transition with something called the great reset this new order being established. And now all of a sudden we have, you know, agreement that we might have off world vehicles and, you know, it's a very strange time. So the same thing was happening to me on a smaller level, a big life transition. And at that point, um, boy, you know, there was so much that happened immediately that that I'd already been accustomed to. For example, um, the couple asked me to move into the house, And so I brought my 16 or 17 foot long camper and all my worldly possessions and parked them right outside their house. And we basically wanted to see if these knocks and hits that were coming around the property could be recorded. And so the long-term study of figuring out whether or not these were only Sasquatch sounds um, began. And so 1,400 hours worth of audio was recorded for, uh, for about a year. And I'm being kind with that number. I think it was actually more. So I'm working full-time, recording audio and video full-time, and then coming back and trying to play, you know, Bigfoot. Right. They, it, right. it refused to just be Bigfoot because then the, these EVPs start showing up. And the EVPs were so complex that we knew it wasn't Sasquatch because we were hearing a human language. We were hearing, we were hearing English. Um, there was uh, the circumstances of how this property came to be, was, which was kind of odd, which also is a timing issue. The people that owned the property before had suddenly um, sold the house. A whole family had lived there and moved only 45 minutes down the road and sold it for about $35,000 less than asking price at the top of the real estate market. And um, shortly afterwards, the eldest son uh, commits suicide. So we we kind of find all these things out as we're looking for Bigfoot. Like, why did these people move out? Why would this kid kill himself? Well, we found out that his bedroom, his old bedroom, was probably the most haunted part of the house. Um, And we didn't plan on having a haunting at the same time, but this is where the EVP started, was in this kid's bedroom where eventually he would uh, commit suicide. And, you know, the EVP we got said, I'm dead. And it was, you know, it sounded like a child's voice, uh, you know, probably 14 years old. Um, and so it was a controlled area as much as we could. And, uh, you know, at first you're trying to rule out whether or not this is uh, some kind of sound contamination. If anything is a contamination, whether or not it be just for lark of someone playing a game with you or whether or not you're hearing what you want to hear. Because I totally had bigfootitis, like I'm... A Bigfoot researcher, right? I'm right. I'm out here doing this, so I'm going to have confirmation bias. So that's when I start inviting other people out, just like, hey, I need confirmation here. Let's all leave out recorders, and you go home and listen to what you got. And uh, um, that's when the gifts start showing up. And by gifts, I mean objects of significance meant for you, and they were left in a real specific place. So you would find them and nobody else. Um, one of the most common, um, striking examples is after we were looking for a taxidermied rabbit and we were building the Sasquatch replica and I thought, well, what better example than to put a rabbit, maybe at the base of Bigfoot's feet to symbolize the rabbit hole. And so we're looking on scale. Yeah. Looking for a taxidermied rabbit. Well, I get home from work and there's a dead rabbit with a rock lodged in its head sitting yeah. in front of my trailer. <laughs> now, it's so fresh in the middle of summer it has no bugs on it and no predation marks. Yeah. Just a rock and um it's laying right in front of my camper. Um my girlfriend gets a hold of me and says, "Wow, thank God they didn't leave you a snake. You hate snakes." And three days later there's a snake with its head ripped off sitting right where the rabbit was left.
0: Yeah, you're all we need a statue of the neighbor's kid to put
1: under the uh the bigfoot, and then you would have found something absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that I mean there's it got real, you know, real quick. So it's very hard to turn away from death. You know, here we are asking for something dead, you know, having barbecues. They know that we're meat eaters, but you know, I'm looking for the You know, a, a rabbit, a taxidermy red They give me something even better. They give me a fresh cottontail rabbit with hardly any damage to it. Um, the snake seemed to be a joke. Um, so those are just two really brief examples. And so as people are reading along in this book, they get to the chapter on the snake. They take their smartphone. They scan the QR code. It takes you to the moment I hop out of my Jeep Commander with my iPhone and see this rabbit sitting there call Daryl out and say, you you got to see this, man. Stop whatever you're doing. And um, so to have those moments, you know, to be transported automatically as you're reading along, uh, if it wasn't seamless, we wouldn't have done it. But it is seamless. As long as you have a good internet connection, you just scan along and right. away you go.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. Um, is there, you know, because you're in there and you're trying to be detached logical try to figure out what's going on there i never thought of this as being a problem but is there a point where you're just all like "Uh, well did the ghost or did the bigfoot leave me the snake you know and what what exactly am i am i even able to untie this knot of two different things that i still don't know Mm -hmm. what they are and yet i'm supposed to untie the knot
1: well yes and yes there's no way to know for certain because Uh, This stuff loves to keep the secrets coming. Uh, The clues and the questions are pretty much all you really have for the most part. But this story, there was so much physical evidence. I mean, it started with these these knee impressions, which at first I thought, well, I do a podcast about the paranormal. I'll just film the process of me casting these probable bare knees that are squatted down. So that's how we took it. Just like, we'll show people the process of casting. Hmm. But when they came back as 1,400 pounds and anomalous hair, and then an orthopedic surgeon looks at them and says, that's, Those are your giant human knees, but they're not human. <laughs> so that's where we kind of thought it might end. I, I was ready for it all this to end with the knees, but then we uh, had these giant handprints show up um, on three different occasions around the house. And they're large, greasy handprints, three times the size of any man I've ever seen, and they were just, uh, you know, embedded or infused onto the pickup truck, onto the garage, onto my trailer, with hair attached into the greasy uh, impression of where the fingers were, and so to see that, um, you know, we—I'd never cast hand impressions before, let alone you know, tried to extract any kind of cellular DNA or anything off of it. Uh but we we kinda went to the school of hard knocks and uh <laughs> would laugh about like who's gonna go down to the Dollar Tree to make their own, you know, five dollar forensic kit and come back and try to cast these hand impressions. Right. Um so we did. And um so was that Sasquatch that did that? Probably because previous to this, over those fifteen years we're we're skipping was example after example of um, extended experiencers being gifted objects of significance. As though Sasquatch was listening, paying attention, hearing the needs of others, and then leaving objects of significance for... This is not ghost behavior. Now, we did have apportation phenomena at the property, and we actually filmed apportations not occurring on camera, occurring off camera. And if anybody doesn't know what an apportation is, I don't think this is Bigfoot related. But if we're to go with the theory that this was a portal and we had the phenomenas of all these things coming freely in and out, um, to record an apportation happening is very rare. I've only seen maybe one actually happen on camera. Um, And so, Um, Let me cut you you off there. This is not a word
0: I'm familiar with, but from the context, does that mean the opening of a portal?
1: Right. Well it could. An apportation would be a physical object appearing or disappearing out of nowhere in, in live time. And oh, okay. so uh, in this case. Gotcha. Yeah. So imagine pennies falling from heaven, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of the phenomena people would talk about. In fact, coins in general falling from the sky or something associated with poltergeist. In fact, in poltergeist I believe there's several apportations in the movie that happen. And so we would have these happen. The only thing is is that these apportations um, have a sound to them. And th- th- trust me, this is a lot to take in here in the next few seconds, but <laughs> we were trying to come up with many theories as we could so we could study the phenomena, understand the phenomena. And when we recorded, you know, 1,400 hours worth of audio, we kept hearing these strange tapping, hitting, um, reflexive sounds, almost like something you know, when you hit a snare drum and it kind of makes a sound, an echo to it, it's you know called a flam or a reflexive tone. We would hear these sounds. Maybe it was like a fingernail clicking the side of the recorder. The only thing was is a lot of times we're recording in the middle of a gravel bed. So there really was no way for anything to get into the recorder without an approach sound in the gravel. And more often than not, we would get these clicky, tappy sounds. The point being is that I think some of these sounds were physical objects being gifted to us. Um, so is that just Sasquatch? Man, I don't know. Um, there's so many examples of, uh, of there some, being something other happening than Bigfoot on this property. And people were telling us that as much. The farmers around us were all kind of weird. And they would talk about strange things that have happened uh, behind them in, in the hillside. One of the guys was uh, a soil farmer we called Wormy, and he was an interesting fella. And so Wormy would come down once in a while and make fun of us because we we're looking for Sasquatch. And finally he goes, well, you know.
0: it got to be uh, sobering
1: when Wormy's making fun of you. When again. Wormy's <laughs> making fun of you. When Wormy makes digs, uh, no yeah. pun intended. <clears throat> he kept saying, why are you looking in the forest when you should be looking in the sky for the chandelier? And I said, What? what? And he said, yeah, there was a, (laughs) there's a flying something in the sky. It it looks like a swinging glowing chandelier and it drops down below the forest level. Um, And we would catch him out at weird times at night looking for UFOs with his wife. And one day he shows up with this giant um, red mark on his forehead about the size of, uh, you know, a basketball that hits you, plonks you on the head and uh, he has no idea where that red mark comes from and uh, that red mark stays on his forehead for a period of like two or three months all through the summer of 2018 and uh (laughs) he he went on to explain you know he how his wife gets hit in the face by giant rays of light out in the back you know you can't help but kind of go there with there being maybe an abduction scenario happening here that wormy's not going to talk about but So all the neighbors are telling similar types of strange stories. So now we know it's not just us. They're not all in on it. It's not like a, you know, a Scooby-Doo episode. And so um, we we start shooting a documentary. In fact, um, well, I'm co-producing a documentary that comes out next year in February called Flash of Beauty, which tells this story. But what better than to have uh, two separate camera crews come out and basically say, hey, come down here whenever you want. I'm not going to be here. Have your own experiences. You tell me what you think's going on. And when they start having experiences, um, that's when I was the happiest because I knew that they were skeptical of the claims because we were, you know, after I'm telling you here the last 25 minutes of some of the claims, people are a little bit skeptical. And so they start having their own experiences. um, APERS, People that see the phenomena only as being Gigantopithecus or Sasquatch Mm -hmm. as being a relic hominid started to have supernatural encounters. And a lot of these people were willing to go on camera and talk about it because it was so real, so transformative, so in your face. And uh, so that's, that's made me the happiest is that I've been able to step away. I've actually moved out of state. And now the Al Moon operates all on its own. People are having their own experiences, probably like they've had for thousands of years in that location, and uh, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's about ten percent of the story.
2: I w- I was actually about to ask about whether you how far back you thought these sort of phenomena go in that area. Did you find any information about like the history of that, or
1: it it gets into the word Hebron. Which is, uh, takes a sharp turn out of nowhere as far as the story is concerned. And I write about who the Hebron are, why um, the Hebron might be attached to this property. But um, in short, we believe they were a group of religious fundamentals that moved it here, moved out west along the Oregon Trail and set up shop in what is now the Cottage Grove Lake bed. And if you look into the Hebrons and who they were previous to them being pioneers, You go back to the book of Genesis, and it talks about the land of Hebron. Well, the last place that the Nephilim were seen was near Mount Hebron. Um, And so for that connection to come up, for the Hebron people to be associated with the story, at least the church of Hebron, there's a Hebron road, um, for the word Nephilim to be attached to this um, and if anybody doesn't know what the Nephilim are, you know, one third of the angels came down and impregnated you know, human women and begot their own spirits. And yeah. one of the theories, of course, is, is that okay. if we're looking okay. at a paranormal. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. If we're looking into a paranormal link of Sasquatch and they do have some kind of, you know, superpower, maybe this is where they derive it from. And so this link of uh, the Hebron people uh, refused to go away. And it seemed to be uh, constantly toying with us that this has uh, that the land has uh, unique links to Israel, that the land has unique uh, links to Ukraine um, and the people of the Ukraine. And uh, what's there's in, some weird get Israel. What's in Ukraine? <laughs> well, there was a great immigration that happened, migrants uh, heading out to the Ukraine and setting up shop. And um, it seemed to tip its hat to us that that was important for us to know. I'll just leave it at that. And so some of the EVPs, is what I'm alluding at, um, led us down these strange directions. Now, is that an end road? It could very well be that maybe that's not an important detail. But um, I think many roads. Yeah, I think it might be because there's people. People don't talk about these end roads enough. You know, like the fingernail tapping on the microphone. Bigfooters don't talk about that sound. They don't think it's important. I think it's hugely important because you can get that sound when you put it inside a cardboard box locked away inside of a house. How is that possible? And then you find strange handprints outside the door. You find gifts outside the door. Um, It seems to be some kind of introduction to like, hey, I know you have a recorder in here. Here I am. And, and, uh, you know, thus begins the initiation now. Is it only with recorders that this happens? Largely, audio seems to be okay. Camera equipment is no bueno as far as Sasquatch is concerned in general. We just don't seem to have, you know, the permission slip to freely video record them. Um, And I have my own theories on why that would be, but when it comes to audio equipment, that's what I always suggest.
0: Um, you, You know, unfortunately, this kind of, undoes my previous question. Earlier, you were talking about how <clears throat> how uh, going down to the dollar store and making your makeshift mold, trying to get the DNA. You hadn't done this before. So it kind of prompted the question in my head, do you think if science took all this stuff seriously that we would have this figured out by now? But I guess this moves on to the question, when you started this, it sounds like you were more of a nuts and bolts Bigfoot researcher. And by the end of this, you're mm-hmm. kind of hands up in the air going i'm not sure anymore is that i was accurate? just a fa-
1: no i was literally just a fan with a uh you know technical theater background <laughs> and so i i, I had you're, an you're art, i had an artsy fartsy background and i literally just wanted to meet um these people that had spent their lives looking for this and i of course i wanted to engage the phenomenon see the phenomena and i was an outdoorsy guy mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, in part, mostly you're correct. It was a it was a transition point from having no position to having a very definite position. Gotcha. And um, you know, there's a there's always a price to pay for your position in life, but when your position weeps results, um, I I have no problem with that position, and there's right. no sacrifice with it. Like if people aren't down with my theories, it's all the better for me. <laughs> Because I don't have them out in these areas here chasing down these rat rabbit holes, uh, you know, in my way. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but as it relates to the phenomenon here, what you find out quickly is that people get, you know, they get pretty ruthless as far as, you know, how they treat you. If you go down on a certain road, they don't approve of. And I just never sought anybody's approval.
0: So to my earlier Question: Then, do you think that if science took this as seriously as they took something else, that we would have this figured out by now? It wouldn't be people trying to makeshift stuff that they and and learn sciences that they are just throwing themselves into with curiosity. Um,
1: I don't know. Yeah, I don't. What What do you guys think? I don't. I
0: don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, again, I guess it comes down to that. That the natural preternatural aspect of, of the situation, because, you know, for all these things to happen in one place, you know, it it just makes you wonder is, well, I mean, is, is Bigfoot a part of it? Is it a catalyst? Is it a coincidence? Is it, Mm -hmm. you know, it just kind of opens everything up at that point. You know, I stayed out at a cabin a couple of years ago with friends of mine, and I'm curious about how the Adams felt about this we're sitting on the back porch and there's like a whole grove out front of trees and it's beautiful. And, and it's like 12 o'clock at night, and, you know, we're sitting around the fire and my buddy John's just all, yeah, but don't go walking out front. If you got to pee, you know, pee over there or go on set. And we're all, what, why? He's just all, well, the bears are probably all in the trees right now, eating the fruit. And like, we have this realization that there was probably a mob of bears like 50 feet away from us eating in the trees. Um, were the Adams scared, you know, on a regular basis? Or was this sort of like, Oh, those are my kind tree neighbors. Or was it like uh, Oh, it's after 10, get the kids inside. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. It got, it got spooky with the surprises happen, especially after the sun went down when you're devoid of the senses of being able to hear anything coming at you and being able to see anything. And then suddenly all hell breaks loose. That's, you know, frightening, especially in the quiet of the lonely cottage grove, cottage grove woods. And so those kind of things, you know, I couldn't always be there Uh, in my trailer. I was working graveyard shift as a truck driver. And, um, so oftentimes I'd be gone and I'd get texts and say, Oh my gosh, you know, there was this huge slap on the side of the wall, or we just saw this giant flash of light come into our bedroom. Um, you know, those kind of things were But it would happen. But then it happened to me, too. I mean, but, you know, I'm sick. (laughs) Like, I'm an adrenaline junkie, dude. Like, for me, uh, people don't get it. But I would lay out in a zero-gravity chair waiting for the, you know, the hell to be scared out of me, hoping that it would be confirmation that this stuff is actually real. Because even though I've explained this all to you, I'm still waiting for the, the shoe to drop of just like, oh, you know, it was that. Like one time we found out that a, a bird was roosting inside this haunted shop, this haunted garage that we haven't really talked about yet. But when we were recording, we would hear these strange sounds. Well, birds make roosting sounds at night trying to get in and out of this metal shop. So that bummed me out. But then it was <laughs> almost like the phenomena knew that that was going to happen and then something strange would hit the side of your trailer, or you'd find, you know, like the dead rabbit. Um, one time I was having cell phone issues on uh, I 5 coming down from Washington to Oregon in my semi truck. And I'm talking to Daryl, you know, who's at home barbecuing. And I was like, yeah, I got to stop by T Mobile and pick up a new cell phone. I'll, I'll be home later. Well, I had my 14 foot long aluminum boat parked next to my trailer. And so I'm getting home and underneath the oar of my boat is a muddy sidekick telephone huh. as though it has been dug out of a pond or a creek or a dump. And it is hidden underneath the oar of my boat. Um, there's no explanation for that whatsoever. Um, continued on that same note a couple of days later, um, I put up some shiny Christmas-type lights on the awning of my camper, which, you know, sat out to block the hot Cottage Grove sun. So I hung some Christmas lights, and underneath the oar of my boat is a vintage Christmas ball from, like, the 1950s with a little cranberry glued on top of it, totally ornate, gently placed under the oar. You know, you get familiar with the fact that these things are going to start to connect dots of... What's going on in your life, and so those kind of things—they didn't freak me out. I was honored, man, to have a moment like that. Is not scary. Is that scary to you guys? Because to me, that didn't freak me out at all. For me, it was this I utter confirmation. Know that
0: there would be a moment of fear when you realize that a fourteen hundred pound creature is watching you at night, knows what your walking patterns are, and is ready <laughs> to drop a dead snake in the path. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean that's unnerving. You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're saying that this place lives on now. It, it, it prompts a question for me because you were talking about going down the same rabbit hole and it kind of got me thinking about reporters and maybe have reporters butt heads when they come on a story. And it, it made me do Bigfoot researchers ever discover each other at night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you know ever- what? Yeah. In fact, yeah. I
1: I don't know if I included this story, but absolutely. Yes. Yes. And yes. Because when an area is hot or there's a missing person involved and there's researchers going there, um, and in the case of what I'm talking about, both those things are true. Um, yes. It, there was a, a particular profound <laughs> moment that happened near uh, the Three Sisters Wilderness where... Me and another Bigfoot researcher found each other the day after he had been urinated on while he was Bigfooting. And uh, it's a little bit of a long story, but in short, he, sh- he goes, <laughs> here's your, kit. yeah, so we, we stopped there in the middle of the highway. He's telling me this incredible story and he goes, here's your Bigfoot evidence. And he throws his wet Carhartts at me and it's covered in urine. And he goes, well, it was worse than that. They unzipped my backpack and peed a gallon of pee in my backpack and zipped it back up. So those kind of stories, <laughs> you know, I mean, how are you ever going to forget that? So it's not always a bad thing to find another researcher out in your area, especially if they're friends of yours. But um, I've, I've never wandered into anybody. I mean, that's the biggest fear is you're going to wander into a tweaker, you know, or somebody, okay. not another researcher or Bigfoot the worst thing you can find out at night is another human. Like the scaredest I've been is at the end of an old logging road at two in the morning. And you see headlights coming. Uh-oh. That's when you start going to your car to grab your AR. I All mean, right. it's not the other stuff. The other stuff is there's a lot of gamesmanship and it's, um, it, it's like, it's just waiting to see your expression on your face while they try to scare you. And that's not the motives of humans. The motives of humans are, much they seem to be, you know, much darker <laughs> at yeah. times. Oh,
0: absolutely! Yeah, the darkest an animal's going to get is to want to eat yeah.
1: mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm.
0: Know? Yeah, right. But even that intention can't necessarily be considered evil, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so how did this end for you? How did you decide? I mean, it seems like a ongoing, never-ending. Mm-hmm. Did you, I, let me guess? You figured you had enough audio to listen to for the rest of your life <laughs>
1: uh it didn't end um it ended up following me up to the olympic peninsula um it it vacillates between showing itself here and not showing itself for periods of time it's i always compare my oregon store the owl moon lab as vegas And Washington as being, you know, like the retirement home. Yeah, you get the occasional visit, but it ain't like it was in Vegas. And um, these are definitely like the fat Elvis years of my life when it comes to the (laughs) phenomena. So, um, you know, maybe those things will change. I mean, don't get me wrong. When it goes off, it goes off here. Like the camper that I talked about earlier, um, I've seen things in that camper within the last six months um you know not balls of so the orb phenomena is something uh that people need to get used to when they're looking into sasquatch lights organic balls of light these are things you see before bigfoot generally speaking before bigfoot approaches you uh you might see an orb you usually don't see them afterwards usually see an orb and then you may get sasquatch phenomena so those orbs followed us up here now they've been up here in the olympic peninsula long before we got here but this trailer seems to have these orbs uh come around them i've had people stay in my trailer kind of like an airbnb situation and they complain about seeing these black orbs now i'd never even heard of such a thing as seeing um black orbs Mm. it's almost like a grayish color like a dirty gray And um, I've seen one of these inside the trailer. It's not a very large trailer. It's uh, just floating right in front of me as I'm watching a show on Netflix. Um, Never seen anything like it. It looked like uh, the hide of an elephant. It had that kind of uh, organic uh, skin color, gray skin color to it. A spherish ball, dirty gray ball. And it just went right through the wall so that's something maybe unique to this property i don't know but the phenomena you know if i put a recorder out of my trailer i'm going to get something crazy that happens um right now we have my um, girlfriend's son living in the camper he claims there's nothing going on and so maybe it's me i you know i don't know but if i can get it on audio then it's not just me there's something else happening
0: now i know Researchers in general don't like to speculate on the mic, but uh, you got to have a good speculation. It's like coming out of this, do you think that, you know, there's there's the belief that, um, that, uh, well, we, we interviewed Ronald Moorhead and, and this was one of the questions and he didn't have much of an answer either other than fun speculation, but there's the belief that uh, interdimensional gold digger, you know is like one of them and but i mean you gotta say if it is something like interdimensional like that it would account for all the other weirdness mm. going on you know it's like but are are you left with uh, a theory that you like the best
1: well they seem to be attached to nature in a way that uh reminds me of an elemental and it's hard to not call them an elemental because of the r- reports i've taken of people that see them go into trees And if you look into the history of the green man and what the green man actually is, is a, you know, a giant forest guardian, an elemental and so entrenched and in tune with the forest and nature that he is nature. So maybe that's why we can't record them at will. Maybe they feel the element of, I don't know, the EMF meter or the, uh, you know, the electromagnetic frequency coming off a camera or recorder laying inside the middle of the woods would be a little bit like a sliver in your hand. And so maybe they feel that happening and maybe that's why we can't study them at will. Hmm. But I see them as, as such. Um, there's a lot of reports of other things out there besides Sasquatch that seem attached to the elemental category. Maybe these hmm. orbs are them. There's a lot of people that say that they see an orb come out the backside of a tree where a Sasquatch walked in. um, Generally, you know, if you do have an orb sighting, red orbs in particular, orange orbs, you're going to have more of an aggressive Sasquatch encounter. These are things that I don't really hear anybody else talking about, but, you know, after you interview a certain sect of people that are willing to talk about the paranormal stuff, including Ron, I mean, him and Carrie, his girlfriend, saw a giant lightsaber flowing through the uh, woods when they're out there bigfooting in the high Sierras, you know. Um, David Palides puts it in one of his recreations, and um, you know, Ron's had some incredible stuff happen in the supernatural realm associated with the Sierra Nevadas. Most bigfooters have, and that's I guess what I want to say is that most most people that are really into this, I mean, they're really into it. They know. The Bigfoot players—they know the Bigfoot history like people know baseball history. They collect all the memorabilia like people collect baseball cards. They're total Bigfoot nerds. Most I of these people, them. yes, yeah. yes. Most of these Bigfooters have had supernatural experiences while they're out Sasquatching, and they don't talk about it because it—it it doesn't play well in the world of science yet. But now that we're talking about transmedium craft from the Pentagon, as far as the UFOs are concerned, and um, that kind of transparency coming from the top down is going to give a lot more flexibility to the rest of the paranormal world, including cryptozoology. And I think it's not going to be too far in the future before every Sasquatch conference is going to have a UFO speaker and a ghost speaker along in tandem and you're already seeing it and uh so i i don't think that these are going to be separate categories anymore so to answer your question i'm going with alex elemental
0: you know i know i like that answer and it does uh it it prompts a a, a pop culture reference which lots of things do for me as Karen knows um, and I'm going to mispronounce the name, but Hero Hi- Mi- Miyazaki. Miyazaki is the last name. And he did a, he did a movie called my neighbor to to- Totoro. And in that it's actually Such about, like, <laughs> you are a nerd and, uh, <laughs> in that it's actually about elementals <laughs> taken from like old Japanese and Chinese myth. And there's actually black, um, orbs like dust particles floating around. That's all a part of it, you know? So mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. so i'm sure he's pulling it from something because this author is kind of known for pulling from history and Mm -hmm. creating his own mythology around it
1: yeah and maybe it's nothing but what if more bigfoot researchers or people in uh, the ghost world said oh yeah i didn't talk about these black orbs before but you've seen them there's so many things like this where people aren't talking about it like um we recorded the sound of what sounded like a bowling ball on the property as odd as that sound, it sounded like a stone ball being rolled down a granite sidewalk and a little bit or maybe like a granite tomb sliding open like Bela Lugosi crawling out of his tomb. We record this sound all the time. In fact, I heard it with my own ears on one occasion. And um, these are sounds that are reported in haunted houses a lot. Um, I know that uh, Doug Hycheck of Monster Quest, uh had heard that sound as a little kid as well. So... Um I just hope that you know me bringing up some of these weirder things spurs new conversation cuz the old yeah. conversation is super boring. <laughs> like I am I'm not into mid tarsal breaks. I'm not into <laughs> you know learning about uh, Travis Walton again. There needs to be a new conversation. Um and those are huge contributions to the community. Of but course. I mean here we are now um With uh, the capability to have these new conversations because of what we're doing right here. I mean, we could never have done this in the world of Talk circa 19, you know, uh, or 2008, I think, is when Talk came out, the first uh, podcast. And so now here we are with Zoom. We're able to talk about these things freely and and have these new discussions. So I hope we do because they cost us nothing but our time to have them. Right. Yeah.
0: In a and way that to say that I do all this
2: stuff because I love it and it's fun. That's my second time cutting you off. What were you gonna say, Kara? Oh, well, I was just going back to what you were saying earlier in the way that the elemental idea is kind of a chilling one because we uh destroy nature all the time. So
1: mm. I hope they yeah, aren't really you know,
2: angry. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that wouldn't make me worried, like if these beings with unknown supernatural capabilities are like mm part and parcel of the natural world, it's like, maybe I won't log there. Like, I I, right. w- I would be worried about that. But I, I don't know. Like, I don't know that there are any deaths or injuries or anything. No, It gets, with makes me think of
1: uh, the log lady out of Twin Peaks.
2: Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. This
0: is all very
1: Twin Peaks <laughs> in point of fact. Or,
0: or wild animals in general. You know, we're encroaching on mm. their habitats and uh, they got no place mm-hmm. to go as they're slowly um, Dishomed and and die off, you know. Yeah. Maybe it is something like that. Maybe it is where we're pulling them from their homes, and they got no choice but to be seen now. Huh.
1: Yeah, they seem to li- have to live by our rules when they're here. I.e., they poop in the woods, they eat, they have to hunt, they leave footprints. But in their world, I don't know what that looks like in comparison to ours. They can maybe they don't have clear cutting maybe they don't have those kind of worries i think more often than not that's where they are uh, the, right. that would explain why we don't see them all the time i mean the fact is is that you can kind of guess where these creatures love to hang out you know they love to hang out where there's an abundant supplies of uh, a place to hide hunt eat and sleep and um they don't seem to hang out there all the time we just don't have that availability otherwise Why don't we have better footage of Patty the next week? We knew where Patty was, except all we have is that grainy footage. And we don't have a secondary anything. You know, we have all this FLIR capability. We have the advantage now of 360 cameras, uh, FLIR on drones. I mean, you can buy, uh, I think for under a couple grand, you could attach a FLIR to a drone now and fly it for over 30 minutes over a ripe area. Probably well over that. And yet we we, uh, we don't have those kind of answers because there's this uh, type of godlike omniscience from these creatures, these beings. And however uncomfortable that is, they are very godlike. Um, and man, I, I you see, if you were to look up at Zeus in Greece and see a giant marble statue of a Greek god right next to it could be Sasquatch as far as I'm concerned, because they can do the same things that the old Greek gods can do. And they're built like that. I mean, those were the giants of old, by the way. And here we go back to the, the argument of the Nephilim, you know, these, uh, in some cases, cannibalistic, uh, giants, right. This is what the native Americans would say, but, uh, that wasn't my experience with these beings. Um, I did to fast forward, have, uh, an occasion where I saw something finally. And, um, I won't give it all away, but it was a compelling bit of visual evidence at the Al Moon lab that I finally got a glimpse of something to say that had to be them, or at least a neighbor of theirs. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's still happening at the area as well, although there is clear-cutting going on really close by. And between, actually, there's clear-cutting to the left and the right of it and it's squeezing in closely to where a lot of this phenomena happen, because most of the phenomena happen behind the house on the, on the hillside. And this is where the continued story of this documentary called Flash of Beauty uh, comes out in February 2002, and it tells a two-part chapter of Flesh and Blood and the other chapter, our chapter, uh, the more unusual paranormal link to what Sasquatch may be, and so that's that's what we've been working on besides this book, is uh, doing an edit on this documentary. Um, it'll be globally released uh, worldwide, not just a, a YouTube situation. And so that's it's an exciting documentary. It's one of the most beautiful documentaries on the paranormal that's ever existed. And I didn't edit or film film a single portion of it. It was all Jill remens and Brett Eichenberger out of Portland but i've been a part of it for the last year and a half and um we're about ready to release it to the world um
0: you know in your discussion about this you know that that prompts a good question in 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 our world we seem to be having this major dichotomy going on or at least it's presented to us that way and in the ufo community that seems to be the case too people seem to find somewhere to to argue about it so in the ufo community you got these nuts and bolts guys and then you got these sort of spiritual more metaphysical ideas coming in and they're kind of button heads at these conferences and stuff is that starting to happen in the bigfoot community do you get the old guard like sitting there going like you young kids and your elementals (laughs)
1: right (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you know and it things simmered down after a couple beers you know, at first it's a little awkward, uncomfortable, because, you know, maybe you've talked smack about another person and they show up or there's <laughs> drama. You know, it's but uh, if you stay out Especially of that.
0: Especially in the Bigfoot community, because, you know, it's a lot of armed mountain men. <laughs> <it> means,
1: right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Hairy <laughs> armed mountain men. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. the real Bigfoot Bigfoot's already. all along.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's when you get out your sponsorship to Manscaped. But no, I've uh, <laughs> I've uh, I've learned to avoid most of that and deflect it with as much humor and as much alcohol as possible, preferably in that order. But it's not no. It you hear about it, and um, but no, it's uh, for the most part, it's moving. Even though that the the Aper community is reluctant, it is moving away from that argument, and they know it. Um, and it has to do a lot with. The pentagon releasing this ufo evidence i mean if we can get an out and out press conference to say that we are not alone here are the beings here are the craft and this is the way it's worked um it changes everything as far as the bigfoot conundrum the the, the ghost conundrum i mean what bob bigelow uh robert bigelow interested in now besides Skinwalker Ranch. He's interested in life after death. That's his main goal right now: is understanding what happens after we die. And so, to have those things unfold in the Owl Moon Lab seemed appropriate because it started with Bigfoot. It it went right into uh, the paranormal, wormholes, and you know orbs, and then it moved into uh, the world of the ghost. And so, uh, life after death is that the ultimate question that we should be asking? Maybe. Um, there's even a little bit of uh, a surprise in there regarding COVID. At the very end of the book, um, I, had to, I had to do a little rewrite because there was an acknowledgement. of Well, definitely an acknowledgement uh, over COVID. So we, uh, we, wrote, we wrote about that. Well, they wrote about it, really. And uh, so, yeah, really interesting questions. I think there's probably more interesting questions than answers. And I don't even know if we know the right questions to ask.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think a lot of the time we hear these things and we start to go like, oh, whatever, you know, now they're throwing in UFOs and stuff. But, you know, you can't understand an animal unless you understand what it eats. And so now you got to understand the plant and you can't understand the plant unless you get the dirt in the air and and so on and so forth. So, you know, I I don't think it's all that shocking that maybe mysteries would be tied together in a way that Mm -hmm. even just by a filament, you know. Just even by yeah, a, a, a really narrow to put it. tie, you know. Um, okay. So where's the best place for people to find out more about you?
1: Oh, well, so if they want to listen to the show, it's kind of in hiatus right now, cause we're moving from Washington to Idaho mm-hmm. and, uh, that's going to be about a four month operation. Mm-hmm. And so, but if they want to listen and follow along, they can, it's called strange brow radios, my podcast. Um, It was a podcast conceived in a pub, hence the word Brow, which is the German iteration of Brewhouse. So Ah. Strange Brow Radio, B-R-A-U. And there you'll find archived episodes anywhere you can uh, find a podcast and YouTube and all that goodness. And um, yeah, great. If they want to get a copy of the book, then go to strangebrowradio.com or go to Amazon and just type in Al Moon Lab. And um, if they do and write a little review afterwards, that's the big thing that helps out the author's is just putting a simple review and uh, just let me know what you thought of it. Awesome. And what's
0: next for you after you move, of course?
1: Well, I'm working on a new book. Um, That'll come out next winter, I think. And um, then uh, we're gearing up for this documentary. That's the big one. Uh, um, I just got done finishing my second Sasquatch. Uh, It's uh, in a museum in Forks, Washington home of Twilight. And, um, it's called well, Sasquatch the legend. The building of the,
0: <laughs> you've done it before.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Oh. I've done it before. Uh, I sold it to a, a minor league baseball team in the little town of Eugene, Oregon on the first one. And so this new one is, uh, right. you can go see it if you're ever in Forks, not too many people go to Forks, but yeah. if you're ever in Forks, there is an outstanding museum and gift shop called Sasquatch the legend right off Highway 101, the last town before you hit the Pacific Ocean. And uh, there's Biggie. He's eight and a half feet tall and uh, sitting in the corner there at this gift shop. So um, I just finished that project, and I'm working on other reconstructions of cryptids as well, uh, different types of cryptids.
0: Let me ask you an honest question. Do you really think that Kara looks like she'll never find herself in forks?
2: Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Go Team Edward. She'll find herself in Forks.
2: I have been to Forks. I will have you know, I I was in Forks years before the books came out. Whatever. (laughs) No, I I was so into it. I was there before it happened. Because my grandparents live up there. It's the whole thing. Okay, well, if you're ever there, Kara.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Now you have a home. (laughs)
2: Oh my God. Just going to roast me before we close out this episode.
0: (laughs) All right, uh, Toby, thank you very much for being on the show. You've been listening to Toby Johnson here on Radio Wasteland. We've been talking about his book, The Owl Moon Lab, A Paranormal Experiment. You can find that on his website or on Amazon, just like everything else in the world. And if you need any of those links, uh, come to our website, radiowasteland.us. Thank you very much, Toby, for being on the show.
1: All right. Nice to meet everybody. Thank you.